Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Making More Money for You. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Thank you for tuning in on Voice America. Last week, I talked a little bit about, I flew, actually, I flew soul and talked about how to get ready for some schooling, when to buy stuff, where to buy things, what kind of technology you should actually buy, and uh, hope make it a little bit easier for the year for you, uh, the student or teacher, and or a teacher. So, but that brings me to this week's guest. I have Joe Templin from Ever, the author of Everyday Excellence. And we're going to talk about a lot of different subjects all rolled into one. We are going to go every which way we can. And we're going to learn a little bit more about Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. Hey, Magnus. Glad to be here. As we were talking in the pre-show, I think we're probably going to go completely and totally off script. And I like that because that actually bring I what I found with my guests and the show is when we go off script and we're actually natural about things, we find out a lot more details and a lot more uh, facts and tricks and strategies that are, are missed or overlooked in everyday life. And if I end up going down a rabbit hole, just pull me back on out <laughs> so that we can get back on task. Okay, I will definitely do that. Joe, uh, before we get started, can you tell us what actually prompted you to write your day, your book, Everyday Excellence, and a little bit of backstory about you as a person in, um, before, we get, before we get too far into things? Okay, so backstory. When I was eight years old, I told my mom, the nun, yes, my mom was a nun before she had six kids, that I wanted to learn everything there was to learn. So she's like, well, the encyclopedias are over there, get to work. Uh, so I did. I read the whole encyclopedia. I was a scrawny, asthmatic kid. In fact, my asthma was so bad at 10 years old, I died. Um, I got better, obviously. Uh, at 12, I started doing Taekwondo. At 13, I started college because my parents said 12 was too young. Uh, eventually, I ended up winning a world championship in Taekwondo. I worked for the Department of Defense um, doing advanced research. Uh, we lost the family farm due to a lack of financial planning and a crooked attorney and some tragedies. And so that's why I drifted into financial planning. Uh, between that and martial arts, is I drifted into psychology. Then I started ultra running. Uh, if you want to really understand yourself, go way, way, way too far. Um, and so that led to behavioral economics in a lot of ways. And while I was prepping for all that and dealing with COVID and all of the things that occurred during COVID, that's really when I sat down and wrote the book, Everyday Excellence, which is a multivitamin for life, simply because we all have these different components of our existence, whether it's our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health, our, uh, our occupation, our relationships, you know, all these different components. And we overlook certain parts of them, or we're just so busy living that things slide. So Everyday Excellence is a daily guide to growing in that you read a little bit each morning and it helps you be better for that day. If you can have better days, you stack them up to better weeks, better months, and eventually being in a much more excellent position. Uh, excellent. There's so much not, there are so many topics and turns and twists we can actually take from just that two to three minute intro we had. So let's let's wind back a little bit. So when did you graduate school? 
You said 12 and 13. So I was in a special advanced program, the same program that Mark Zuckerberg ended up going into. No, I was not in any classes with him. Um, but so my parents wanted me to go to high school uh, in an attempt to normalize me. Obviously, it failed. Uh, but I was also taking advanced college credits at the same time. So I technically had my first college degree before I finished high school and then rolled right on in and picked up. I don't even know how many degrees I've got at this point. I've got more degrees than some of them. Okay. Well, when you did that and you did Taekwondo, how did you, what are some of the tips that you can do that you've done to manage your time like that? Because time, time is very precious. Time is literally the most precious commodity that we have. And we all have the same amount. You get 86,400 seconds per day. I don't care if you're Elon Musk, the Queen of England, a kid in college, or my kid that just started high school today. We all get the exact same per day. At the end of the day, it's gone. You can't bank it. You can't save it for the future. So it is a use it or lose it sort of thing. So one thing that I found a while ago that is important is understanding the difference of things that you can multitask on and the things that you need to do the deep work and the complete and total focus on. So for example, in the morning when I'm working out, you know, I'll be doing Taekwondo and I'll be listening to a podcast or an audio book and having music playing on the other side. So I'm able to get two or three times the use of those seconds. Um, I'll be supervising kids doing homework while doing dinner prep, and we'll have an audiobook going on simultaneously. So that way I'm getting the multi-use for it. And you can do that in a lot of ways on your commute, when you're showering, when you're doing prep. I listen to Yankees games while I'm doing yard work, as opposed to sitting down and actually watching. So stuff like that. When I was preparing for my CFP exam decades ago, I was also preparing for my first marathon. So I'd go to the gym, I'd be there when they opened up the door, I would go on in and run on the treadmill and listen to tax code on my walk, show you how long ago it was, um, wow. with a tape. And that I'd be watching something on the TV, like the Yankees game or something else. So that's how I was able to squeeze a ton of extra time into that day. Now, when I'm doing something like writing, or if I'm researching, or like a podcast like this, where your people deserve my full attention, the phone's turned off. Anything that could potentially be a distraction is eliminated. And I'm 100% here for this. So you cannot give that sort of deep attention. I think Huber said that you can get like 90 minutes at a pop on this. So I, because I'm ADHD, use the Pomodoro method a lot of times. Pomodoro uh, is Italian for tomato and the old timers which sort of shaped like a tomato. So I would um, write or do any of these deep focus things for about 25 minutes at a pop. And then I would, I'll get up, I'll walk around, uh, rest, recharge, listen to music for a couple of seconds because music actually is like exercise and how it affects your brain. It literally lights up the entire brain. So you can supercharge yourself then get back into it. And by alternating like this, doing something that's very deep focus and then something that is very dispersed in terms of the attention by alternating back and forth and stacking things, you can get a tremendous amount done. In fact, you can achieve things that most people would think are impossible just by 
handling your load correctly. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, one of the things that I've done while doing college and, and uh, studying for my certifications for networking and whatnot before I started writing is I definitely had music on. I could not study in silence. It, it's like you were saying, it does trigger something in the mind. And actually, I felt a lot better with it because the music, the music I was listening to was positive. It was, mm-hmm. it was up. It was even though it was classical music when I would study, it's still the upbeat type of classical like Mozart, Tchaikovsky, but and it wasn't like uh, Beethoven and Haydn where it was actually down and dark. Exactly, you were major keys as opposed to minor keys, and you know Vivaldi's very good for this, and. So there are so many studies around utilization of music as a productivity enhancement tool and different things like if you're trying to memorize, you don't necessarily want things with clarinets or cellos because they mimic the human voice. You might want more electronica or things like this. But one of the things that I learned as a martial artist from a friend of mine who was huge dude. I mean, we used to joke that he bench pressed Volkswagens. He was a (laughs) maximum corrections lockup officer. He was also like a big, goofy, funny, happy guy, but he could flip the switch like this. And this is something that a bunch of my special forces and SWAT team buddies do too. And I learned how to do it over time. And one of the things is you can use music to trigger this. So if I'm going to go up on stage and speak, I listen to the opening strains of Princes of the Universe, the theme to Highlander. And literally, I can hear, there are, no, I'm not going to show your listeners, but literally, and in two seconds, the switch is flipped and you're able to perform at a higher level. And you can actually make it so that you go directly and operate from the subconscious and your training and save a half second in terms of reaction time. So that's why special forces and SWAT team people do this. But it takes an immense amount of energy. You can only do it for about 45 minutes at pop without starting to burn yourself out. But okay. if you need to get into hyper mode to get things done, very often, uh, if you're operating under a major constraint or what have you, it's one of those things that your listeners can tap into and be able to get that extra kick. I I've, I completely agree with that. One thing that I that I've done that I do not recommend or condone doing is I don't drink caffeine anymore. When I was doing that, when I needed that buzz or when I needed that extra brain power or sharpness or whatever i would actually have soda i mm-hmm. wouldn't drink coffee i'm not a coffee fan or, uh, or i would drink a can of soda i would study for three hours up to three hours and then you know you get that crash afterwards i know people out there are doing that in college in high school um even some of the elementary kids are doing that there's better ways out there than doing it especially relying on caffeine because well, you know, use exercise, get up and exercise exactly. for five minutes, and it will give you an hour ish of the same sort of stimulation. Use the music, and you can get the same sort of stimulation for an hour, hour and a half. And so, uh, that's why you do whatever your work is get up and move around, get up, do it again, move around, and then Absolutely. you use a different stimulation. And so, by switching your stimulations. You're not building up the tolerance like you do with caffeine or the other things. And so you can go on through and do this. And then actually getting sufficient sleep, uh, which is something that I'm not good at. I feel like I'm not good at slowing down, is right. something that can then rest and recharge. One thing that you brought up there, uh, how do you feel on the inside when you're doing all these things? 
when you're actually accomplishing or starting when you're starting your task, you know, can you describe how you're actually feeling on the inside? I know everyday excellence builds on what we feel, but how do, how do you feel or what are some of the things to expect when doing things like this? So one of the things is I fell in love with the process long ago. This is one of the things I learned early in my career as a financial advisor was to fall in love with the activity because we had an um, activity driven model because you knew not every client was going to buy what you were selling, only about one out of three. So if you focused on the activity and if you have a portfolio approach, because if I had 30 or 40 open cases going at any particular time, it didn't matter if one said no. I was not dependent on that person saying yes or no. It made me completely inoculated to their decisions. If they decide to do it, great. If they decide not to do it, that's fine too. My family's still taken care of. And so it allowed me to work from a position of truly being their advocate of what is best for them as opposed to what is best for me because of that complete total disconnect. And so that's when I learned to love the process. Also, uh, as a martial artist, you know, you're going through, unless you're competing in a tournament or for a belt rank or something like that, I mean, it is the daily grind, is doing the forms, it is practicing the techniques, it is the repetitive nature of it. Same thing with long distance running. Okay, you know, there's no hundred meters in an ultra marathon that's going to make or break you unless you actually get broken during that. So you just learn to keep doing and love the process. So doing that is something that I relate to most of the other things that I do because Brian Holiday, the great author, the stoic author, uh, said something on a podcast a while ago that writing a book is like running a marathon. You put everything that you have into it for this extended period of time. You're writing, you're editing us, and you finish it. And it's like you cross the finish line of the marathon and you've put everything into this and you're expecting that they are coming over and putting the mylar around you and giving you the medal. And they actually take you over to the next starting line. And you have to run the next marathon immediately of the editing and marketing and podcasts and sales and all these other components. And having done ultra marathons and done literally two marathons back to back in a single day, I completely buy into that because the secondary component to me is more difficult because it is beyond my control. I can control my writing. I use James Clear's habit stacking from Atomic Habits of writing every single morning right after I got up and worked out so that I would be able to write two pages per day of the book. And over weeks and months, that's how it was done. That's how I was able to write a 750-ish page book in six months, 1,200 hours over that time period, because I just focused on doing it. I love doing different components of it. But then everything that came after it was actually done that next day when I sat down to write, I'm like, I can't. It's off to the editors. What do I do? (laughs) So I started working on my next book immediately. But, um, you, you know, when it gets to that point where it's, beyond your hands, where it's out of your control, that's where the uncertainty lies. That's where Mm -hmm. the trepidation is because I can control whether I write. I can control if I pick up the phone to call a potential client and make more money. I can control my, you know, whether or not I do something stupid for the most part or waste money or things like that. But I can't control the stock market. 
I can't control what the Fed does. I can't control the people in Washington. I can't control whether, you know, my publisher can't get books to the convention like happened twice last month. You know, I can't control those things. So that's a very different mindset. And so that's actually where I struggle overall. With your struggle with the mindset, especially with the way you control your, the way that you can, you control yourself from the uncontrollable options or actions. Have you put that in your, how do you incorporate that mindset into being positive into what you have in front of you? So the Stoics have a concept of the dichotomy of control, where there are things that are 100% in control, which right. is basically what happens between your ears. How are you going to react? Your emotions, things like that. Your choices, your decisions. And then there's things that are 100% beyond your control, whether the sun rises, where it rains on a particular day, um, whether you know uh, they change the tax laws, mm-hmm. whether Russia invades Ukraine. That I have absolutely nothing to do with. Right. And then there's this area of influence, which is more like, okay, it, I can ask a question and there's a response and then I can respond to that. So it's more like a dance or a tennis game or things like that. And so things like the weather delaying my planes and all that are completely beyond my control. There's nothing that I can do. My publisher not being able to get books to the conference well, what can I do about that? Do I need to order them earlier? Do I need to find an alternative? You know, what lessons can I learn here? So this is one of the things Jocko Willink talks about a lot is that, you know, there are changes that you can make in terms of being able to do things better the next time. There's lessons to be learned. there. So like we were talking uh, before we started recording about the after action debrief, what we're going to do to be able to see what we can do better in the future. This is how you continuously improve. This is the whole idea behind human Kaizen is having that short feedback loop so that you make better decisions overall. You're more resilient. You're more prepared for every single thing in the future. So everybody today is the result of what they've done previously. And who you're going to be tomorrow is a result of what you choose today. So are you going to make better choices so that you're in a better position tomorrow to build a better life, have better investments? get better grades, have better health, better relationships, all these different things comes down to the choices that you're making today. And that partially is based on your awareness and your metacognitive skills of being able to question yourself. I completely agree. And even, even if you don't make a choice, that is still a choice and you still have to pay. You still have the consequences, even not choosing, choosing one of those choices. So you did, you mentioned a lot of information there. Uh, Jocko Willick, definitely one of my favorite podcasters. He gives it to you straight. He's raw. Uh, he, he doesn't hold it back. And a lot, we've gotten away from that. And talking with you, Joe, is I see how you've taken those inspiring people and incorporated them into your life. And how do you, with the writing and whatnot, how do you incorporate this into your financial planning? With, with your customers, so your clients. Financial planning, I've been talking about this. A lot of it comes down to having discipline because discipline is choosing what you want most as opposed to what you want now. 
what feels good in the moment is generally not what is best overall. You know, I could eat these five donuts and I love donuts. <laughs> um, that's my uh, that's my cheat meal is donuts, by the way. On National Donut Day, I had 10. <laughs> so I could have this donut now and feel good, but I'll get diabetes. Or, you know, I'll get fat or I can eat the healthy thing. And so it takes more effort to make the better choice now, mm-hmm. but it leads to better results. Or I can do what feels good in the moment and avoid the pain and have more pain down the road. So for example, I can play video games instead of studying. Right. It feels good in the moment, but then I fail the test and I don't get the degree and so I don't make more money. Oh, that's not a good path overall. I can smoke the cigarette and get the quick hit and feel good, mm-hmm. but then I'm gonna get lung cancer. I can avoid the discussion with my significant other or with my business partner that needs to happen. And so I feel okay because I avoid this pain now, but then, you know, we're going to get divorced or, you know, the business is going to blow up because we're not doing what we need to, you know, so I can pick up the phone and call potential clients or I can sit here and find anything else to do. That's more fun. I hate picking up the phone, which is the reason why I became a master at it. Or I can do the difficult thing and have the better result. So most of financial planning comes down to that. You know, how much am I setting aside for retirement? By the way, if your clients are 30 or younger, they better be setting aside 15% because we're going to live a lot longer than the old ones, Mm -hmm. right? So am I setting aside enough money for the future? Yes or no, okay? If yes, great. If no, how do I affect my changes in the future? Do I make sure my lifestyle grows slower than my income so every time I get a raise, I'm able to save half the raise until eventually I'm hitting my savings target and beyond. You know, buying insurance, whether it's life insurance or disability insurance or long-term care insurance or what have you, you know, taking that risk and spending money on it and shunting it off someplace else. You know, if I buy a big cash value life insurance policy, if I get hit by the bus, the kids are taken care of, but also it accumulates this resource for the future. It's not as sexy as buying Bitcoin or investing in real estate. But Mm -hmm. as a component of what you do overall, it's better off. It's like, you know, just like eating salads is not as sexy as eating cheeseburgers and Oreos, but (laughs) having it be a component of it puts you in a better position. So understanding that almost all of financial planning comes down to two things. One, understanding where you want to be. So having a vision and two, having discipline to get there. Okay. With that said, how do you how do you talk to your clients about the quality of life that you want to live now and also save for the future like that? So you know, I use the analogy of beer because I like my beer. I was German, so um, one of the things I say is, "Look, I'm not telling you you can't drink at all. I'm saying that not saying that you can't go out with your buddies. I'm not saying that you can't have beers, but do you need seven beers or can you have four beers?" And still have a really good okay. time. Okay. So you're st- and you take those other extra three beers, we set aside them for the future, and essentially you buy your own brewery for down the road. Okay. Because one of my previous shows is save save half your paycheck no matter what. But the quality he did that's that guest did not take an aqua take into account living for today. Yeah, it was just you, it was all about future for today. So right. what I say is, you know, what whatever you can afford to do now, 
do it, but let's make sure that your lifestyle grows less quickly than your income. I apply something called the rule of half. So let's say you get a bonus. Let's say you inherit money. You know, your aunt gives you something. You have a $10,000 winning lottery ticket or what have you. Okay, uh, you get a raise. So you get some additional cash in. The rule of one half says that one half of that, you need to either pay down debt if your debt's above six-ish percent, or, okay. you know, so if you got a ton of student loans or credit card debt because you're stupid when you're younger or whatever, or it gets <laughs> put aside in terms of savings for the future. I don't care where you put it, Roth IRA, 401k up to the match level. There's all sorts of places. Talk to your advisor on that. Mm-hmm. But you set that aside. The half that remains, and this is after taxes, one half of that half. So a quarter Quarter. goes to accelerating your debt payments. Okay. And then that last quarter you get to use. Okay. Okay? So what's happening is that at over time, the rate of savings is increasing. So I had a client uh, 25 almost years ago who, when he first started saving, could only save 3% because he had student loans, he was paying for grad school, he was doing all this stuff. But he adopted this policy. Right. And within two or three years, he had gone from saving 3% to saving 9%. And he was getting this positive reinforcement. Then he got a couple of promotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then within another couple of years, he was up to saving 15%. And he was accelerating paying down his student loans. When his student loans were paid off, he took that cash flow. He took half of it for current consumption. The other half he put aside to savings. And so before his kid was born, he was saving 20% of his paycheck, but his lifestyle kept increasing regularly. It just didn't increase as fast as some other people's. And he was totally cool with that because he was not envious of others. He didn't need the 4,000 square foot house. He didn't need to have the super flashy car. So he bought a five-year-old car, which was still good enough for him for five years. And so by tamping down his expectations a little bit, in being way to defer things. This guy now is in his late 40s and he's got no financial worries at all. In fact, he's at the point where even with the downturn in the market, he's been able to get to a point where he could still retire at like 52 if he wanted to. Oh my. That's... Because he was able to understand what was important and just do the little bits. So for example, if my book hits the New York Times bestseller list, am I going to eat 20 cheeseburgers a day? No. No? I hope am not. I, you know, <laughs> am I going to buy a $200,000 sports car? No, I don't need oh. it. I got you know my van that I use for run, running races. And I'm going to pick up a small car to be able to tool around in when I'm not transporting stuff. And so I don't need things. I mean, I don't need a big screen TV. I don't have time to watch TV. I didn't have a TV in my apartment in grad school because I was never there because I was working or training. I don't have time to watch one now. So why bother waste money on it? Just set your lifestyle uh, expectations and be, invest in yourself continuously because that's what's going to make it so that you know if the stock market uh, implodes, or the economy stays bad, or your company resizes or downsizes or whatever, that puts you in the position to be able to be okay no matter what. Okay. That's that's very impressive and very straight to the point. Everybody can everybody listening to this can definitely follow these small little things and they can be added to everyday life. 
But Joe, we're already ha- halfway through the show. We got to take a break soon. <laughs> we oh, actually sorry, have man. to. T- <laughs> no, no, all this, all this great information. It's just rapid fire. It's coming out. It's going great. Uh, we're going to take a little break, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, I have Joe Templin here from Everyday Excellence, the author and financial planner. We're going to take a break fast and we're going to come back. And we're going to give you some more information about uh, making more money for you and day to day things. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show, the uh, Making More Money for You show on Voice America. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for my guest, Joe Templin, uh, please give us a call at uh, 1-866-472-5789. We'd be glad to take your call. Glad to answer any questions we covered in the first half, which was getting your mindset, some studying, um, studying techniques uh, that you can actually use not just for studying, but everyday life for work and uh, actually starting to squirrel away some money, which brings me back. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thank you for oh, taking the time. Magnus, out I'm having a blast. I wish we could go here like, you know, all day. <laughs> uh, well, one day we could actually possibly do that. But for right now, you know, we hit a lot of great topics on the front end of the of the show, but there's a lot more information that we can get out there, especially from your book, uh, the everyday excellence and, um, your financial planning aspect of, of your professional life. Uh, one thing that I would love to talk about is how with doing what we've talked about in the first half of actually uh, doing the half principle and, you know, not living outside your means is how, how does that, 
um, come into being with personal financial resilience of, of being a, a person that can actually withstand what's going on right now and actually have a better tomorrow? So like when we saw the economic meltdown in 2008, partially that was created because of overextension with mortgages and banks, you know, leveraging it, all this. And so it was, I don't want to say greed, but quite frankly, it was greed in a lot of ways and people overreaching. And when you go beyond your normal reach, that's when you become out of balance. That's one of the things that we've learned as martial artists. That's where you can get injured in terms of doing various sports. And so it's being able to know your limits and be able to be flexible. And so that's one of the things that I want to talk about is flexibility and resilience because it's the ability to have additional options. I saw a lot of people who, you know, I love life insurance. It's a wonderful tool from a good, strong company, it, especially if you have to worry about taxes and you care about people. It is literally one of the greatest tools in U.S. Uh, tax code, bar none. But, you know, I saw some uh, planners who were like, yeah, let's put 20% of your income into this thing. And as long as everything goes right, it'll be awesome. And it's that if everything goes right, caveat, because the most powerful law in the world is Murphy's Law. What can go wrong is going right. to go wrong. And so, as I tell my clients, instead of doing what is absolutely optimal, let's make sure that we have built-in flexibility so that we have resiliency. This is the reason why I've always told clients, keep minimum three, preferably six months liquid cash on hand. And so in the inflationary environment that we're in right now, it's not necessarily the greatest thing. You're losing ground. That's one of the reasons why we say only about six months because cash is king, but cash is crap. Because when the stock market completely and totally craps out, like happened in the early days of COVID, you got cash in on the sidelines, you can buy stuff on sale. It gives right. you options to do stuff that other people can't. It allows you to be able to, you know, be able to take the time with the family. If uh, your best friend calls you and says, hey, I'm getting married, come on out to San Diego. You're like, dude, I'm there. And you can just go. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to live life having that cushion. Also, okay. having disability insurance. One person out of four who's a white collar professional in their 20s on average is going to be disabled for at least three months. Everybody's like, oh, I'm young, I'm invulnerable. What's going to happen to me? Okay, <laughs> I buried my best friend at 42 years old from cancer. Oh, my. Okay, and the disability insurance paid for the entire year that he was in chemotherapy. Okay. Okay, so gotcha. having cash in the bank lets you get through until your disability insurance starts paying. And disability insurance, as long as you're not you know, blowing up buildings for a living or doing anything crazy, is relatively inexpensive. So it's one of those things that, you should have it because a couple of bucks a week to be able to protect your income, that's actually a smart move and it gives you additional options. Same thing, um, three out of four people hitting 65 this year are going to need long-term care at right. some point. So long-term care insurance is critical because a single year of long-term care payments for medical facility will eat up an entire five years worth of retirement savings. Oh my, plus a bonus, to, uh, a benefit to this, it's all pre-taxed. 
Yes. So it comes out pre-tax and it's you don't even notice it's missing out of your paycheck. Right. That's- so those are things that you can do. You know, term insurance is so dirt cheap. There's no excuse for people to not have enough of it. Right. And September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. I'm not sure if your people are listening. No, I didn't realize that. aware of that. But I mean, having enough life insurance prevents the family farm from having to get sold. It keeps the spouse at home so that the kids can grieve and not lose both mom and dad. It helps pay for the kids' college. Mm-hmm. It alleviates the stress and the strain. And it is so dirt cheap that it, there's really no reason to not have a chunk of term insurance the instant that you get married and have kids thrown on at least 15 times your annual salary. Oh, I agree. And uh, I've actually taken up a new ho- I taken up a new hobby of scuba diving. And one of the major things about that is a lot of insurances don't cover that until you get the specialty insurance, which I got my Dan insurance. I'm not going to lie. And I also got limited and disability insurance because when you're down there and something fails, there's. Yeah, it it could be a catastrophic failure. But if you plan ahead, if you buy, if you buy your insurances before you start doing crazy stuff like that, guess what? You're already covered and good, strong companies won't. Uh, underwrite at claim, they underwrite up front, and so you'll still be covered. And so it's just planning ahead, going back, having a vision and having discipline, you know, paying your disability insurance premiums, paying your life insurance premiums. You know, it sucks at times, but you know what? Imagine if you were missing that million and a half dollars and your spouse has to sell the house and your kids lose all their friends because they have to move out of the neighborhood and they're never going to college. That's worse. So what do you do as a reasonable adult and a responsible parent? You take care of that stuff because that is an example of loving your kids more than you love, you know, that current consumption and needing to have the new TV right now. All right. And a lot of I've from the positions and and companies I've worked with, they actually give that at a discount rate when you sign when you actually start to get employed and you know your yearly elections. You know, they yeah. give that to you at a discounted rate instead of actually going out somewhere and uh, trying to find, trying to search, uh, try to shop for it yourself. Yeah. It's already and right so, there. You know, talk to a professional. Hopefully they're an AFA member, you know, do all that. But that's one component. So if you know that, OK, if I anything happens, I've got my will taken care of. I've got my health care proxies in place got my life insurance, got my disability insurance. I'm saving enough for retirement. I'm saving enough for the kids' education. You know what? Once you get all that basic stuff taken care of, then you can live life to the fullest because you know what? You have no fear at that point because, yeah, if you die, it sucks, but people are taken care of. And so you can actually truly live because you've taken care of those things and you have resilience. You know, if the stock market goes down, that's the reason why I have some bonds. That's the reason why I have some real estate. That's the reason why I have this other stuff. So diversifying among different asset types, but also different tax shields. That's why you have your Roth IRA. That's why you got your 401k. That's why you got your cash value life insurance. That's why you got money in the bank. That's why you got non-qualified accounts. Maybe this is why you have an annuity for some tax shield growth to provide guaranteed income in retirement. By doing those different things, is it optimal in any one of them? No, you're giving up some of the absolute power of them to have more flexibility. But as we see with martial artists, people who are flexible and powerful can beat somebody who's just 
powerful. So having that diversification among different types of things within your overall financial plan then gives you more freedom. And no matter what life throws at you or how they change the tax code or what happens with the stock market or happens in Europe or in Washington or what have you, you're in a good position. And so you don't have to work. Right. And it's the little things that you do right now, the the minor, super minor things that compound, like your book says, and what you were, what we were talking about earlier, the, the minor things that compound over daily turn into weeks, turn into months. That's the reason for the nonlinear growth curve on the front of this. This yeah. is, you know, investing. If you put money into your 401k and your Roth area, every single paycheck from the time that you get out of college or you start working, over time, you're going to be incredible successful because of the power of compound interest. If you spend an hour every single day studying, guess what? You're going to be along this sort of curve with your career. If you spend an hour a day learning to play an instrument or speak a language or do a martial art, what's going to happen is over time, you're going to hit the nonlinear growth curve and you're going to be in a great position. But it takes that consistency. I've got a saying that to be excellent, you have to be consistent. Absolutely. I don't care if you're building a business, investing for your future, taking care of your health, your diet, your relationship. To be excellent, you have to be consistent. And when you start doing it uh, re- with repetition, rep- uh, repeatedly, you don't know you're doing it because then it becomes a habit. And what happens, what happens, you don't think about it it's subconscious and you do it anyway. Right. In fact, if you break the habit, if you violate it, you feel weird. Like when I was traveling and I couldn't um, like do my martial arts in the morning, I still all but one day, I still did the 100 plus punches each hand like I've done every single day for decades. But that one day I didn't do it. It just fell off. So like if you don't make the mortgage payment or if you don't uh spend that time studying or you don't tell your significant other that you love them. It just feels wrong. And so getting to that point is how you build an environment and a mindset that's going to make you incredibly successful. So for your business owner clients that are listening to this, you know, determine that one thing that you need to do every single day, whether it's picking up the phone 15 times or sending 50 emails or getting three introductions or whatever it is. And do it every single day until you get to the point where not doing it is just a foreign concept. And if it is what the right thing for building your business, you're on that growth curve. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what these little things do, but when you ha, have, you noticed when you look back at what you have accomplished and do you ever question that? Well, Question the one thing in that if you change one little thing, how your habits would change? Oh, I actually ask myself this question on a regular basis. And I had a discussion with one of the guys that I'm mentoring now. I left my uh, first company in financial services after 15 years uh, because of a disagreement with local management, even though the national people love me. And so yesterday would have been my 25th anniversary with them. And there's still a little bit of missing it and that environment. So I was talking with my mentee who was with that company earlier today. He's like, dude, you need to remember that looking back, one, isn't going to change it. And two, you left to go into a bigger world. Mm -hmm. It's like 
being the fish that goes from the fishbowl to the giant aquarium. <laughs> and right. because you're in a bigger environment, one, it's scarier. Two, it forces you to grow. But three, you can become a bigger fish overall. And so that's one of the things when you get comfortable, that's when you need to make yourself that's uncomfortable and right. go into a bigger tank so that you can continue your growth. Yes, I remember hearing that a lot from Jocko. Force yourself to be uncomfortable. That's when true growth happens. Even oh. with the little things uh, of putting $5 in a savings account or an envelope to start out with. Sure, you know it's there, but it's going to be uncomfortable because it's there. But once you start training yourself to do that. Right. And then after a couple of months, it's not uncomfortable anymore. And when it's no longer uncomfortable and you don't even realize it, that's when you need to go doing $20, $20, $25, or start another, uh, put that five and start another one. Yeah. And so as Peter Thiel, uh, his book is called zero to one, because that is the hardest step, whether it's building a business or getting ready for a marathon or learning a new skill or a relationship or a savings program. Going from zero to one is an infinite step, an infinite growth. Right. Going from one to two, that's easy. Okay. But it's that first commitment and getting going. That's the hardest thing. And so that might be where we need a coach. That might be where we need a friend to kick our butt. That might be where we need an advisor of some capacity to illustrate and to help motivate us. That is the toughest thing. So look for where you're still stuck on zero and see who or what you need to get you to take that first step. I completely agree with that. That first step is always the hardest. The mental step is the first one. But once you get your mind involved uh, in line and on track to start doing it, uh, the body will follow as as martial arts dictates and whatnot. But one thing I do have a question I have, uh, we should actually talk about is failure. Your biggest, what have you learned from your biggest failure? Oh, see, this is where I quote my favorite superhero, Thor, and I make great mistakes all the time. I screw up, you know, one, partially because as one of my former business partners told me, I'm not you, Joe. I don't want to work as hard as you. My standards aren't as high. And so that is one thing, you know, I am easily top one-tenth of one percent in terms of conscientiousness, in terms of my drive and my ambition. So I need to remember that other people aren't at that level. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I piss people off, quite frankly. Um, You know, I am too much in many ways, as one of my uh, former relationships has told me. So I need to, I'm very empathetic, but not when it comes to people's work ethic or drive. And so I need to relax more. You know, as some of my friends say, take a chill pill. So I need to remember that. And, you know, sometimes I push so hard, it's broken, you know, relationships, it's forced companies too far. You know, the uh, founders didn't want to work that hard. They didn't want to drive their business to 10 million. They were totally okay with 1 million. You know, so there are a lot of those things. And as Sun Tzu says, he who knows his enemy and himself will ever be victorious. I know that this is a problem of mine. And so I surround myself with people who can, you know, basically restrain me in some ways. 
there is an old Irish saying that a good friend is the best mirror. So I surround myself not with enablers, people who are going to encourage this bad behavior or just want to have fun and all that. People who are going to tell me the hard truth, like, dude, you're being a dork or you're going too hard or, you know, okay. lay off. Right. And so having those people around you who can be brutally honest with you because they love you, because they have that tough love, that is critically important. And it should be your advisors. It should hopefully be your personal relationships. It should be the people that you hang out with in various capacities. You need to have people who have different perspectives who will look at you honestly and communicate that. Now, when you have those people and they actually tell get you get your feedback from that, do you f- find that your accountability since starting hang, talking with those people has grown and your cho- your life change your life choices have changed dramatically from doing this? Um in terms of my life choices, I mean, it's sort of tough to say because COVID's been extremely difficult in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But it's, you know, being a tough guy, as a lot of people say, you know, and hyper-driven and very persistent, it is the willingness to be vulnerable. You know, instead of, you know, nothing can hurt me, being able to say, hey, you know, I'm having a rough day here. You know, today is a rough day for me right. in a lot of ways. And so I reached out to a couple of people. I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling today in some ways. And, you know, they talked to me about it. And a couple of them know exactly why and who is causing it to be a rough day. And it's like, all right, man, okay, just get through this a little bit. Or, you know, remember, you don't have to save the entire world. You don't have to love only the broken right. So, you know, pull back a little bit here, focus on this and, you know, if need be just, you know, go on out into the woods and scream a little bit. Well, and that is a lot of people I have found and talked to. And when I did my research for, for my books, I found out that a lot of what you just talked about, they feel it's not worth talking about. And then they, they make the worst, the bad choices and get even worse into debt or worse. Uh, yes, yeah, a lot of people have retail you know, therapy and they just buy to try and fill the void that's right. inside, or they drink, or they eat, or you know, they play video games or whatever. They distract themselves. Escape. I, yeah, it's escapism in a lot of ways. So understanding, okay, I'm hurting, I have this hole in me at the moment. You know, what do I need to do to address it? And sometimes you just gotta look right at it and sit there and cry. And you know, don't be thinking that, oh, I'm too tough for that or whatever, because I guarantee you, I'm probably tougher than any of your listeners. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I got no problem. In, I mean, I fought Tyson's Spartan partners to a standstill, even though I gave up 80 pounds of mass to him. So, you know, tough does not mean invulnerable. And tough does not mean that you're not willing to be soft where appropriate is understanding that that actually gives us greater strength overall because you can understand where you're weak, where you need help, and being able to ask for that help, whether it's from a religious leader like a priest or a rabbi or an imam or from a friend or a counselor or a professional. You know what? I've got lots of friends who needed to take medication to help them get through it. Then, you know what? So be it. It beats the alternative. I completely agree. And uh, it's, we're actually, 
I have one quick question before we wrap up for today. We're we're getting close. Yeah, we to like the end completely already. left field. <laughs> we completely left field, but but a lot of a lot of people feel that. Uh, what we you talked about is a lot of people use that type of mindset and emotional thinking to get where they're at right now and taking accountability for that changes it. And with your book and what you've written in your book, everyday excellence, do you feel when you decided, when you did the research to this and apply it, applied and tested this, that everybody has excellence inside them somewhere. Everybody can be better than what we are. So I don't care if you're at the absolute pinnacle of your career, there's other parts of your life, other dimensions, as we talked about, where you can improve. And so right. everybody has the capability of being more excellent than we are if you look at it from the complete view of the diamond, of the different facets. Right. So, okay. yes, I believe that we all have the capacity for it. Now, your excellence and my excellence are going to be very different, the same way that your happiness and my happiness are going to be very different. But it's not a zero-sum game, and you're getting better, you're becoming excellent does not diminish my ability to become excellent, my ability to shine, my ability to be happy in any way, shape, or form. So this is truly one of those things where it's not a zero-sum game, and we can all win together. Okay. That is definitely, you know, because a lot of people, I, I know that whoever decides to listen to this actually gets to this point, you know, they feel that they don't have that, but it is there somewhere. It's just, you got to find out what it is and where it is and start, find your starting point. Like you're okay. saying, zero is the hardest point to find and going from zero to one is definitely one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. And so find what excites you, find your passion right. and, you know, start pursuing it. You don't have to go whole hog, just, you know, explore it a little bit. If you it's you know exciting you and you can feel in your body and your gut and your soul, go a little bit more, go a little bit more. What can you learn from it and export to other areas of your life? And if you start following that and have uh, operating out of a position of love for it, and you, so you create discipline because you love it so much, then that carries over into other areas, carries over into other areas. And after a couple of years, you'd be like, wow. I've really progressed. And that it's, is the secret right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that as well because, you know, a year ago, writing my first book till now, a lot has changed. Even the last couple mm -hmm. months or even starting the show and the people I get to talk to and, and bring the content to the listeners, to these listeners. You know, my life has changed dramatically and I can tell that the people I've spoken to and had on the show, it definitely influenced them as well. You know, Joe, and I'm very thankful for you to be part of that. Agnes, thank you for the opportunity to help you and your listeners be excellent and grow today. Excellent. Excellent. Joe, we're actually, we have only a couple minutes left. So uh, I want to take this time now to where can the listeners get your book, find out more about you. Uh, even if they, if you're taking on new clients for financial things, how, how can they contact you? So they can find my book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, all the places that you can buy books, but actually they should probably go to the website everyday-excellence.com because okay. that is an entire environment for helping people become more excellent. All the podcasts live there so that they can find this one, the other ones. 
Uh, there's links, going to be links to the YouTube channel every single day. I put up a new blog to help them out. There's other tools. So there's just all these free resources to help them get better. Because I'm on a mission to help 100 million people improve their lives. So that is why everyday-excellence.com exists to help people find more. Oh, fantastic. That That's wonderful. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Joe Templin, uh, our author and special guest for today. Uh, I want to just take a couple seconds. We talked about so many different things here from starting out, uh, determining where your starting point is, how to actually multi, not so much multitask, but use your time efficiently and more productively by incorporating and compounding things. And starting out at one of the main things that we got is start. My tip for this week is start doing one thing differently that it, you feel that you've been putting off for a long time and continue to add to that. Everybody, thank you for ta- for tuning in. Joe, thank you for being on the show. Uh, that's another, that's this week's show on excellence within uh, finding excellence within yourself and tune in next week to find out what we have in store for you. Thanks for listening to making more money for you with Magnus Carter on the voice America business channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you until then have a fantastic week.